Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a forgotten classic, or even a problematic fave, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today are the creators of the Steve Buscemi, Christopher Walken party game. Please welcome Jacqueline Onifrey and Chris White. Thanks, Drew. Thank you, Drew. I am what? so excited to be here as a huge fan of the show. Oh my gosh. This, I mean, what a treat. I'm so glad that we could set up this meeting of the minds today. It's been a long time coming. Certainly. I just cannot even begin to imagine like what like cultural in- intricacies we are going to dive into today. We each of us use Twitter a, a fair amount. So I feel like that will that will help the conversation along. Yeah, I, well, for better or worse, like, I feel like today was, at least on my timeline, like, a particularly culturally regressive day. Um, Gay Twitter, at the very least, was up in arms because some moron was like, if you call someone handsome, like, high handsome, that's a slur. And people were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because, like, High handsome is not a slur. Like, if that is a slur, then like I've been hate crimed a thousand times at this point. <laughs> not to like toot my own horn. It's just like it's standard. Like, it's cringy, but it's standard. I miss this today. I only yeah. see it through the phase of my of who I follow. Um, but yeah, and then there was also the news about the COVID outbreak. Yeah, the party. Oh, the Jordan Firstman how every pop girl is about to get like the Delta variant. Yeah, yeah. that's, are, so are you guys familiar with his comedy? No. No, not at okay. all. Okay, that's also probably for the best. He's like this, I mean, he's just some gay guy. At the end of the day, like, aren't we all just some gay guy? But like, he, I guess like used to write and was dating the guy who creates Search Party. Okay. Oh yeah. Um. And he pivoted, as so many people did, to like front-facing video comedy in early pandemic. And he like he's like weirdly very popular with the celebrity set. I don't know. I don't find him funny at all. But it, I like he was like a total nobody this time last year, and I cannot believe that he had all these girls at his birthday party. Yeah, that's quite yeah. a guest list. The Delta- I mean, who do you think gave everyone COVID? Oh my god! Well, I I think it's Dua Lipa. Is Dua Lipa not an international traveler? She is always jet setting. Like she has gone to every continent yeah. except Antarctica. I think during this pandemic, and that's not hyperbole. I think she literally went to every single one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it would be her. If she is some sort of like typhoid duo, like I would believe it <laughs> in a heartbeat for sure. But um, speedy recoveries to Marina from Marina and the Diamonds, because of course she would be the one to get sick of all the people there. So best wishes for her and her dozens of fans at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I know they've had a tough day, but um, I think we're ready to get into our first segment. Are you guys ready to play Go Call the Governor? 
I'm very never, ready. I've never been more ready. All right. So you guys are familiar with the rules, but for people who may not be too, um, what am I trying to say? People who are tuning in for the first time to this podcast, I am going to present you to with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Are we ready to play? All right, yeah. All right, we got kind of a doozy of a first one here. Um, Italian ex-American pop star Lady Gaga and Alzheimer's patient Tony Bennett are reuniting for two final shows at Radio City Music Hall in August. Does the governor need to be called? <laughs> I think so. I think the governor needs to be called because Tony Bennett, how many shows does he have left in him? Um, like, these Literally these final two, these are his yeah. farewell <laughs> so, tour. <laughs> so why does he need Lady Gaga to be with him? Like he's iconic on his own. Does he, he, he need her with him? I don't, you know, in a vacuum, I would like to say no to that question, but she has for better or worse weekended Bernie's his career for the past. I mean, how I don't, a cheek to cheek, I guess, came out like seven or eight years ago at this point. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's really crass to trot out an old man whose memory is failing a 95 year old man mind you right is she mm -hmm. is she asking him to do this or well he's not announcing these he's what he's not announcing these like she's the one who's like the mouthpiece yeah so to me that's like she's trying to capitalize on his last years or his last shows i agree and i don't feel like she needs to do it like she's Lady Gaga. She doesn't need Tony yeah. Bennett. Chris, I, would you say this is elder abuse? I, <laughs> I would say this is some form of elder abuse. I mean, I, I agree with what you both have said. Lady Gaga does not need this. I don't know. I don't really follow the careers too closely, to be honest. And so, you know, I mean, if this is, I, I'm trying to imagine being there and what it's going to feel like to be there and who's going to be around me at this performance and it doesn't seem very necessary to me no i get the need to like well i don't know whose need this is but like the desire to like cap off a career with some sort of like legastic performance mm -hmm. makes sense to me but like when the person whose career is ending is not to be dark but like so obviously kind of in his like very last stages like it feels bad yeah I mean I wonder if Tony Bennett's people are like he can't do this alone like he can't carry a show to lift them oh yeah I well I don't think he's actually performed without Gaga for the past half decade yeah like they've always been together yeah, so it could be that, that they're saying, you know, he he wants to have another show. He thrives on stage where he might not at home at this stage of his life. So it would make sense if it was coming from them. But if it's yeah. coming from Lady Gaga, I don't think it's necessary. Like she can have her own kind of non-pop show in New York yeah. City whenever she wants. Yeah. 
No, I mean, like half of her Vegas residency, like I think she would do a pop show one night and then literally put on a tux the next night and do like jazzy piano renditions of her oeuvre. Right. Is that how you say that? Oeuvre? Probably. Gaga oeuvre. That's her new, that's the residency number two can be titled that. Like that's better than Enigma, I think. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to scenario number two. Earl Grey tea. Does the governor need to be called? Absolutely not. Why would we call the governor on Earl Grey tea? I mean, you speak on this. Like, I think it tastes like perfume, but like, you are answering the question here. I mean, good perfumes you want to be able to taste, right? Uh, I mean, it very uh, like literally drink it. it? I've had Hillary no, Duff's mean, original perfume from Claire's sprayed into my mouth before, so oh. I would disagree. Is it's that a very a, good perfume. Are, is it? But it was it was at a sleepover when I was eight years old. So I feel I, like that's I, like I, a neurotoxin. I was drinking Earl Grey tea when I was eight years old, and now I'm. <laughs> much older than eight years old and so yeah maybe <laughs> so uh, okay so what what about earl gray tea like what about the taste you like because like i'm trying to get i don't like flowers in my mouth at the end of the day i think that is just like that's I, my I, cross to bear okay i know i like it but what even is it like what is earl is earl gray a flower leaves it's leaves well it's i think it's black tea with yeah. bergamot, which is a kind of like citrus, but the leaves of the bergamot tree. And then I think lavender, right? I don't know. I think that it, it calling the governor itself depends on if we're talking about an American governor, because <laughs> is Earl Grey not a quintessentially British drink? Is it? I- I think it is. And I think you're the first person to like crack the code on this game. Like, I mean, so like governor is a Britney Spears reference inherently and she, but she was saying this in a British accent when she said, go call the governor the first time. So like, maybe Britney herself is the governor in this instance. Like do, maybe we, we'd have to throw it up to her. Would we call Britney? What we call what does Britney like Earl Grey? I I think Britney could like Earl Grey. I think she needs some calm in her life. I I agree with that. Some zen. I think it's a nice flavor, and I like it. It's like a sour beer in some Mm -hmm. ways, just hot. (laughs) Huh. So I'm trying to, once again, you're posing these questions that are, I, I can't really wrap my, my head around. Like, like it's not, I feel like I'm playing the game now. Like, so like a syrupy, like a sour beer does not speak, does not taste like perfume to me. It tastes like, like a Jolly Rancher, like, which I think is part of the appeal of it. Like, I'm also coming from the perspective of having had an earl gray flavored sour beer oh interesting i associate them together for sure and i think it tastes wonderful but i can't have more than a half of one at a time because the flavor is overwhelming yeah i don't know if that's you know calling britney spears worthy but it's well she what we shouldn't call she wants to be left alone maybe we should just like if the governor does not need to be called, I think that's beautiful. 
I think the experience of drinking Earl Grey tea is the kind where I don't want to do it for very long, but when it's over, I think about it afterwards. I'm like, wow. It's more I of would, a performance than really, an enjoyment. Well, I'm not yeah. performing for anyone. There is no audience. I just, when I go back to the other room and realize my Earl Grey tea is gone, I, I do wish there was more of it sometimes. I will but. say that my experience of drinking Earl Grey tea is that I make it and then I leave it somewhere. And then I realize I made tea and now it's cold. But yeah. that's not, okay, I, I live with this woman and I can tell you that this is not uh, specific to Earl Grey tea. This is a coffee <laughs> thing that, you know, I'm often asking her, do you want me to heat this up or do you want to keep drinking it? This is a common thing, you know, drinks don't really go finished in this house. I don't See, know if that disproves my point. I had that exact same experience with my hot tea not two hours ago and I can literally see my teapot and my mug from where I'm sitting right now and I still forgot about it it was in my eye line the whole time like a hot drink will do that though like because you have to wait like it takes on such a like a fundamental impermanence almost I don't know I don't want to like I'm writing my thesis on like hot tea now like if you guys couldn't (laughs) tell um that but that's why I like iced coffee because like it's always going to be cold and I do have an imperative to drink it because and I like iced tea for the same reason too because the water makes it gross or like the melting ice cubes make it gross so you got to drink it is iced earl grey tea a thing because that's something I haven't tried. Yeah, like London Fogs, I think, are... I nice. love London Fogs. Well, I like London Fogs, but I thought London Fogs were served hot. They typically are. Yeah. Uh, see, I then, well, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast is done. We're, we're I'm, talking I'm done. about an American governor. Right. So, London, London Fog. London Fog, yeah. A London Fog is... Earl Grey tea with like steamed milk in it. So it's yeah. an Earl Grey tea latte. Yeah. Which is also very good. What and I'm sensing is the governor does not need to be called. The governor here. does not need to be called on Earl Grey tea. I, I don't know. Jacqueline didn't really have an, you know. It does not need to be called. I, I think I think that's beautiful. I don't always have to agree with these. I'm not playing the game. This isn't, it's my podcast, but this isn't, um, you know, Drew Paul's drag race, like, we're not, <laughs> I'm not sending people home over this. Okay, this last one is, um, quote, unquote, something for the fellas. The blessed union of Sierra and Russell Wilson. Does the governor need to be called? Ooh. No. Uh, <laughs> this is, I mean, no, I, I don't think so. I think that uh, I agree with a lot of the positive attention the relationship has gotten. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, you know, on one hand, I was seeing all their photos posted in Italy and, you know, it was like, oh, we took a, we took this impromptu vacation and now we're, you know, clearly we have clearly have a crew with us and we're taking, you know, these very beautiful photos of us and, you know, sharing how great our relationship is. But also they are presenting a very positive, I think, like heterosexual relationship. I think uh-huh. that they're doing a very good job at that. And, um, I think he puts off a very good image, but I'm also very biased because I love watching him play football. So. Right. There are at least two Seattle Seahawks fans in this Zoom right now. <laughs> Jacqueline, <laughs> would you consider yourself a third? I'm a fan by proxy. Okay. 
That's and that can be beautiful too. That can be very elegantly cultural <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, I I mean, are are do you guys like Sierra? I guess that's. I love Sierra. I think Sierra is pretty great. Yeah. yeah. I if you had it. to pick one Sierra song to take to Mars on like the time capsule to Mars, like what would you? Let's on Jeff Bezos's rocket ship. I mean, I know what it is for me, and it's what I listen to at every single gym class. Um, and it's not necessary. It's it's the obvious one. Two <laughs> step. Oh, well, one two one two step yeah. is famously the second song I downloaded on my first iPod. Yeah, it might have been the first for me. It's an iconic bop. Instruct. I like a dance song that gets instructional every single day. Yeah, every single day. I it's- would agree. Me and my me and my friend at a. I guess this was elementary school. We were really into that song mm-hmm. as 10 year olds. So I think I would honestly have to agree with you as well. Like it is just such an iconic bop. And I mean, honestly, Russell Wilson hasn't. We lost you there for a second. Um, we, oh, we oh was, I was about to say something slanderous about Russell Wilson. So maybe you should, I shouldn't, oh, no. I should have been not lost <laughs> on that one. Um, I I find Russell Wilson a little tougher for me just because he's so like evangelical. He's very evangelical and he's very corny. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love watching him play football. And at first, I, I remember when he was drafted, I loved the mentality he had, sort of as an underdog, and the way he talked about, uh, you know, just bringing the team together and all that. But it's the message hasn't changed. It's sort of he's sort of been kind of vanilla for a while now and the mm-hmm. way that he presents himself to to all of us and so I mean he, he, to the point where he's the best athlete maybe or second best athlete in Seattle sports history maybe behind Ken Griffey Jr. and mm-hmm. fans a lot of fans don't love him like a lot of fans think that he's a little over the top and think that he's uh, you know, they have a lot you know don't they have various things whatever to say about him so yeah I mean and I think it's just kind of the vanilla-ness about him that he presents I always found it so interesting that like when he and Sierra were starting to like date and then got engaged like I think they had full-on promise rings and stuff like I don't think they actually they were like abstinent until marriage and I was like this is a crazy thing to talk about in like people magazine like yeah, it, weird because he's so out there about his, like you said, evangelical, yeah, and all that. I don't know if that was ever confirmed. I mean, his first marriage ended so abruptly because he, apparently one of his teammates slept with his wife. Oh, this and, is breaking news on this podcast. <laughs> I, I had no idea about that. That's I mean, crazy. unconfirmed, but like as soon as that broke, the other receiver was traded. I mean, his name was Golden Tate, you know, apparently. <laughs> Not Golden yeah. Tate, really? I didn't know yeah, any of this. I mean, this is all like they've all oh, denied wow. it and everything, but apparently they all don't like each other very much. And so Okay. Yeah, so I'll I, put the allegedly stamp right yeah, over this segment of the podcast. I mean, it, it's it's not you know people talk about it and assume it happened but you mm-hmm. know we'll, we'll see i oh maybe, maybe we'll see i don't know and but, i mean um, sierra like in a mirror like she got cheated on by future the rapper future in their previous relationship or whatever so like i guess it's an interesting bit of alleged symmetry so i mean and how they came together 
how do promise rings work with second marriages? I'm assuming that, you know, he wasn't a virgin. There's no reason for him to have been a virgin when he married Sierra. I, I mean, think at this point, maybe it's to like emphasize the spiritual romantic connection, a blessed union of souls, if you will. Band. Great band. <laughs> and a fun the- teaser for next week's episode. Um, but yeah, it's it. I like both. I think I I don't mind Russell Wilson. I mean, I love what he's done for the team, obviously. And like, I do love Sierra. I just wish that they were not so corny. Together. Yeah. To be honest, I don't follow any of them on social media. And yeah. I don't follow their relationship, but the image of them and the image of their child, very wholesome to me. Yeah. As an outsider, relatively speaking. They do the wholesome thing very well. Yeah. And that can be, I like everything in this culture, like I'm literally shaking my fist at a cloud right now, but like it is so like cynical and ironic in a lot of ways right now. It's nice to have something that is sort of like, I mean, it's branded wholesome sincerity, but it's still like wholesome sincerity. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Nice. It's very difficult. Like you said, it's very difficult to like sincerely appreciate something when I personally feel like my brain has been destroyed by irony. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know when that happened, but it definitely has happened to the point where anytime I see someone enjoying their life, I'm just like, ew, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, it's gross. Well, in a way that is, I mean, what you just articulated is the fundamental ethos of this podcast (laughs) in several, in several ways, like the, um, like I mean I feel like we do do a lot of shit talking for lack of a better word on this here show um and I guess I post this even just posing the their union as like a possible cultural emergency is in and of itself a critique it is it is we're turning a mirror in on ourselves on today's crisis so like this is not what I wanted to do but we're thinking about it we're thinking about it critically and in, in thoughtful ways that I might improve this podcast I might self-improve I probably won't but um I think that sincerity takes courage these days you know I agree I think and you know what I think Let's get to the, ne- well, we'll take a break, but let's get to the next segment because I feel like we actually can do a lot of sincere appreciation possibly for this right, week's right. culture emergency. So we'll be right back. And we are back. Jacqueline and Chris, what are you, what cultural emergency are you bringing to the ER today? Today, we are bringing the Gossip Girl reboot to the table for discussion. Um, as of this recording, there are two episodes out mm-hmm. of the reboot. Um, Chris and I watched the first one just before recording to get him up to speed. I myself have watched the original through a couple mm-hmm. of times. Um, and then I guess Chris has to disclaim that he works for uh, oh. Warner Media. Oh, yeah, I, well, first of all, I haven't seen the original. Um, but yeah, I mean, I so yeah, I, I work for Warner Media at one point. I have combed through several of the original episodes, so in some ways, I have seen them, but I not not well enough to to talk about them. So I'll, I'll comment on whatever you guys 
you know say okay right? yeah and we'll try to we'll try to stick to talking about the reboot as much as we can here but Jacqueline I am interested as a fellow like longtime gossip girl devotee like how you got into the franchise it's a franchise now like how'd you get into it yeah um I think that I got into it because I thought it was Gilmore Girls Mm -hmm. for a while um so I I turned on Netflix and I was like oh I've heard of this um it was very different from what I expected um, (laughs) Gilmore Girls is so I got hooked I think on like spring break of some uh I think it was in high school Mm -hmm. that I watched it all through on, you know, within a week or something like that. Um, It's very soapy. It's very entertaining. It's very ridiculous. And I loved it. Yeah, I I had a pretty similar, I actually watched it as it was airing the first time because my former classmate, Taylor Momsen, is one of the stars of Gossip Girl. Um, Iconic uh, iconically also with Cindy Lou Who and the Grinch Who Stole Christmas <laughs> and is the front woman of the popular rock band Pretty Reckless. Um, that, is, that is wild. That is awesome. But I didn't know her and she. we went to elementary school and middle school and a little bit of high school together before she dropped out. I did not know her very well at all, Um, but it was still really cool to be like, oh, like I can literally see someone who I see in the hallways every day on my TV screen. But watching that show as a 12 year old, the first season was um, probably not acceptable for, (laughs) for because I, I also have seen the first two episodes of the reboot and I just um, over the past week went back and rewatched the entire first season again to kind of like for comparison purposes and stuff. And it is, that first season really is very scandalous actually. Like I can see why parents were so upset with it. It really Um, is. We watched like um, a quick little YouTube video of like top 10 uh, Gossip Girl moments mm -hmm. um, just for Chris's sake. And it's pretty crazy. Like, uh, uh, Chuck's dad what's his first name Bert um, Bart, 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 Bart Bass, Bass, yeah. his second death was on the list <laughs> yep um that the first season no 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 that's Gossip Girl gets I mean it's pretty off the rails to begin with because like all soap operas just the plotting is insane but like yeah. from seasons three onward it goes like full like six flag roller coaster loop-de-loops like it's like once they're not in high school there are no guardrails on the whole thing yeah and I never really cared about like the college of it all like um it was just so much more interesting as a high school show just because of the focus was so much tighter even though it's not like you like in the in the original Gossip Girl you never see them in class um Mm. Whereas I guess in the reboot a little bit, like they, they are a little bit, but like, okay. So let's, let's talk about the reboot, I guess. So this is a simple question, but what do you guys think quality wise about it? Quality wise. So I have really enjoyed watching it. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that the second episode was much better than the first episode, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. because it felt like the first episode, they were kind of 
they, they were fumbling through the introduction of the new premise where, you know, spoiler alert for anyone listening, but the teachers are Gossip Girl in this yeah. iteration of the show. And, you know, the whole introduction to that premise was a little bit weird to me. But once we got into it, like once they don't have to explain that anymore, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I agreed fully. Like I found... I found the explanation for how they're just setting up the account again, completely ludicrous. And the motivation doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Like I cannot imagine that like accountability for personal life behavior would actually translate into like classroom, not even like great, better grades and stuff like literally just respecting your teachers more. Like that's insane to me. Right. Um, At the end of the first episode, it's like Julian actually apologizes to, to the teacher when she runs into her in the hallway. Yeah. And it's like, if anything, if Julian was being uh, uh, attacked by an anonymous account online, she would lash out at the people that are beneath her. So right. who, who, the people who she can actually control. Like, yeah, no one's ever been, like, chastened by social media. Like, you you get hit and then you come back ready for more. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that with Chrissy Teague and IRL right now. Like, she got, like, fully canceled and then she posted last week, like, I need to be back on Twitter. Like, I can I come back now? <laughs> like, it's just, like, that's it's not realistic. Um, I, I, the one other thing I have about the teacher side of things is I think that acting is not good on the, like with, I love Tavi Gevinson and Rookie Mag was like a foundational text for me in like high school and honestly through college. Like I was a pretty avid rookie reader still, even though I was very much an off the target demographic. She is saddled with an impossible character, I think, Mm -hmm. but like the dialogue's very like, yeah, stagey. Her, her voice was a little bit irksome to me. Yeah. I've experienced the pilot twice. The first time was just hearing it as Jacqueline watched it for the first time. And I kind of popped my head in a few times and I, like, what is going on? And then I watched it for the first time today. And yeah, her, her character is difficult. I mean... Uh, but I kind of at that point having heard a lot of the dialogue from the other room I kind of came into it with the expectation having not seen the original Mm -hmm. series that it is going to be a bit elevated and like dialogue isn't necessarily what like carries the show it's so uh and and same with the acting performances maybe I mean it, it seemed all right but the whole, the whole show, I think, gets its entertainment value from putting people in, in precarious situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I was looking at the cast of the reboot and how there are just more characters. And that yeah. provides so much more opportunity for pairings. Like, if you think about it, every single, like, every possible combination of the original cast in, as, like, for a relationship was done, except, I think, Serena and Chuck. Like, yeah, they were all fleshed out and so in this one there's just more opportunity to do that I just got done watching I like in season one of OG Gossip Girl I just finished the brief stint where like Nate and Vanessa were dating yeah Yeah. which to me I was like why did they try that out like I, I mean I hate Vanessa as a character I do not like Vanessa um but like 
that never made sense to me. And I feel like by the end of this current reboot, it's just going to be like some pansexual fuck fest. (laughs) It already is. Yeah, it really already is. The trio is, is, is getting, getting to it, I think. So the, I guess the, I really don't have that many complaints about this show. I will say the teachers of it all kind of one thing. The second main critique I have is I think the guy who plays Aki, Evan Mock, is not good. (laughs) Yeah, it's very plain. Hot guy, but like, he's all, and he's also acting across um, from Max, who is like the Chuck Bass of this reboot, who is just like an inherently like scene stealing character, but like, it's, he's just like a charisma vortex. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't really know what his motive is. I don't know anything about him yet. Mm-mm. I mean, I have to imagine that it may be in the next episode, we'll get more from him. But yeah. right now he's, you know, he's not a good boyfriend to, what's her name, Audrey? Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, making eyes at Max. It's, it, it, there's, there's nothing there for me to latch on to right now. Like, not to be annoying or like the, like annoyingly reductive but like I feel like in 2021 by curious cannot be the only character trait you have yeah. <laughs> like it's just not yeah. enough to hang your hat on plot wise anymore like we're just so advanced as a society we're so progressive but like I and I think they try like and they are making it more uh sexually diverse in this yeah, for sure. than they did in the first one where you know Serena's brother was in a a, a, a rehabilitation center of mm-hmm. sorts for being gay which was yeah problematic at best <laughs> it, it, it is it definitely yeah like it, the pilot starts with him like trying to kill himself or he had like just tried to kill himself because we realized mid-season he is gay and like no one really cares once he actually comes out or whatever except some one guy who calls him a faggot and I was like oh my god can you say that word on television and I guess in 2008 you could um but it was really um yeah and then like a, a few seasons later he gets like shuffled off like yeah. with no fanfare whatsoever um I will, I mean, original Gossip Girl takes some time to get going too. So, and I'm sure the reboot's going to like, I think it's pretty good as it is, but like, it's going to get better with some time to cook or whatever. Mm-hmm. I will say that there is not, um, like Blair Waldorf as a character is so iconic and I think deserves to be talked about in the same space that we talk about like a Regina George type as like a mean girl archetype and I don't think anyone on this show right now is hitting that I agree I think I think they didn't I think they tried not to recreate Blair because of that reason yeah like you know looking at all of the the female characters there isn't one that embodies everything that Blair embodied. You know, no. you could almost distribute her character traits among the three popular girls. Yeah. Um, or there are four of them. So, so like Julian, who's, I guess, if you looked at it alone and you said there has to be a Blair, it would be her, but she's nice. <laughs> and Blair was never a nice well, she, person. She like outsources her Blairness to those two henchmen characters yeah. who I think are 
the funniest part of the show. <laughs> Definitely the best written characters for sure right now. Just because they get to be like mean and funny. Yeah. Do you think this show is afraid to go fully mean? Because we're just in a more like quote unquote sensitive climate yeah. right now. I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of the criticism online that I've seen for the reboot is that, oh, you know, they're trying to be woke about everything, but I don't see that, but I, like, I don't see that they're trying to be woke in, like, making the characters inherently good people. I don't think they're doing that, Um, but I I don't think they're going that far with them being they're definitely not like I mean and I think it's pretty self-aware about the ways in which these kids are quote-unquote woke or whatever I just said quote-unquote like three times in a minute but like the one thing that actually there are two things that I think are like pretty you can parallel from the original like when in the first episode Julian's like we don't pressure people to drink peer pressure people to drink and then the one of the guys is like yeah I'm sober I'm straight edge I'm like, okay, like that would not, that definitely contradicts like what they did in first re or the first version of this where like Blair is literally force feeding Jenny Humphrey martinis, like as a 14 year old, like, and then um, I think the character of Obi, like the rich who has like these uber rich parents is like the wealthiest person on the show, but it is this sort of like wannabe champagne socialist kind of mm-hmm. that is like a nod to wokeness but is like a pretty like self-aware critique of it at the same time I feel time. like Obi is Dan Humphrey if Dan Humphrey had money yeah which is an interesting way to take on the character because like Dan Humphrey is treated in the original as like the little match girl basically like just this like he's not unhoused he lives in this ginormous loft with his like rich musician dad it just he lives in Brooklyn which like in 2008 was poor behavior I guess but um nowadays like that doesn't fly anymore I mean I think they, they're doing a in Dumbo that's the yeah <laughs> they, they do a lot better of a job I think establishing the Zoya character as someone who is truly in a place like a, a much less privileged place as a black woman who comes from a like lower to middle class background who's not like her I think they said in the first episode the, that she's living in her like grandma's apartment or something like yeah um which is a huge apartment like still like a very big apartment but like the stakes do feel higher with that yeah I agree I, yeah, it, it seems, I wrote down as we were watching, as I watched the episode for the second time, that it feels like this reboot feels more in the real world than the original Gossip Girl did. Yeah. And that could, it could be because I didn't watch it while it was going on. But to me, the original Gossip Girl was very much in a bubble of yeah. its own making. And this feels more in the world where, you know, Julian has followers that care about her. And that feels realistic yeah um, and and Zoya comes from Buffalo like I don't know there's just it feels more realistic the whole thing you Buffalo legally cannot be an influencer in Buffalo <laughs> you're right like it's impossible <laughs> like um Chris as someone who is like a complete neophyte to the series at large like how do you think it works just as a television show I mean I think it's relevant I, I think that it 
you have this massive fan base that already exists, you mm-hmm. know, for, and are looking for certain things from the original episode or from the original series, um, which I can pick up on as I'm watching it. But I'm also watching it and feeling like I'm getting a similar experience as, you know, maybe one degree removed from Euphoria, where, yeah. uh, which I, I'm not ready to say that this is like at the same level as Euphoria, because I really enjoyed that a lot. But the experience of seeing these, you know, high schoolers and, um, you know, and these, that, that sort of cascading series of events of like, oh my gosh, how can this character situation get worse? Or, you know, how can we pair these characters up? Things like that. I, I can sort of see the same development happening um, after just seeing one episode here. And so, I mean, it's very entertaining, especially once I sort of just like let myself sink into it. So I really enjoyed the pilot having had no connection. Like I'm not, wasn't really looking for anything from, you know, whatever, uh, you know, what, what character might be attached to which character and the original mm-hmm. series and all that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, as far as it being in the real world, I mean, I know that social, like there's the blog in the original series, right? It's, yeah, that's, it's like a WordPress basically. So I, I, I don't know what it was like viewing that in real time you know in the situation you were at but seeing the way they use Instagram and all that on the new series it feels very present in a way that I think you know gives it those stakes yeah I mean well Jacqueline would you feel comfortable spoiling with me the original Gossip Girl reveal like Chris do you mind oh I I know who I told him oh okay 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 (laughs) so yeah for the readers or listeners, whatever, my my beautiful fans, um, skip ahead a few minutes because we're about to get into something that is 10 years old at this point, but is a major spoiler. So Dan being Gossip Girl makes no kind of sense. No, not at, at all. all. It, was a, like, it was a reach by everyone. Beyond a reach. Like it, you go back and rewatch literally every episode of this show and you are like, how could Dan be here? How could Dan know any of this? Like the justification just doesn't make any sense. So like, I think the best, the best thing that the reboot has going over this is that its explanation of Gossip Curl and who it is like is automatic. It's not good still necessarily, but it is markedly better. It's plausible. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't think like, why was the teacher outside like why was the teacher able to take that photo of them through the because they're just stalking them uh so so they knew uh, yeah okay yeah we're not saying that the, it's morally correct for them to be gospel <laughs> no. but it it makes sense it does yeah. well it <laughs> makes yeah. yeah it makes more sense like yeah they they've bent them they've bent over backwards to try to make sure that this like it, it makes sense from a logistical level that these teachers could do something like this, even if like the the ethical, moral, and causal reasons for doing this like don't line up with actual human behavior. But um, I mean, in a perfect world, I think like Gossip Girl would just be like an unknowable, anonymous yeah. panopticon. Like, I feel like I can see a plot line throughout season one where Kate Keller lets Gossip Girl get out of out of control oh yeah somehow you know she just gets wrapped up in it she's like I'm I she'll lose agency at some point where she's just getting tips and posting them um 
that that'll be at issue, I think, by the end of season one. Very much yeah. like a Taylor Swift fan account. <laughs> a full a full like digital overlord. Um what is your favorite part of the reboot so far? Oh gosh. Mine are Audrey's yeah. curtain bangs. <laughs> on, on a serious note, I think it's the henchman, but just because I think that's like kind of the it's the only thing that feels like 100 percent like fun mean and sexy so far and I think those two actresses are very good but yeah I honestly I love any show that's set in New York City like mm -hmm. I just love glamorizing New York City so that you know being able to see that is always fun for me um I I guess I'm just it it, it feels very well done and I'm excited like it's making me excited to see the next episodes yeah so I'll give it that at least Gossip Girl on an HBO budget it is exactly what it needs, I think, honestly. Like, it just looks so expensive. Like, the fashion show sequence in episode one is unbelievable, and they could not have done that on this. Like, the CW did not have the money to do that. Um, though I will say, the, like, the hotel, like, fundraiser in the second episode, I thought looked depressingly like a Hampton Inn compared to, like, some of the more, like, ornate ballroom stuff that they do on the original ones. So, like, yeah. May, I don't know. Let's up it up a little bit for future soirees and stuff. But um, the fashion is fun. It is fun. It's definitely less gaudy than the original. Yeah. Like the original was very in your face about the fashion. Like, and I feel like it, it, it matches current fashion trends in that no one really wants to show the brand yeah. out loud. Whereas in 2008, they were showing the brand it's and that was part of it. It's all like logomania in 2008. And like, it's very pre-recession and how ornate and gaudy it is. Like, yeah. there's just a lot more like, I mean, like contemporary streetwear is a lot more like formless and shapeless. And like, there's like color and stuff, but like, it definitely feels a little bit more muted, but still like very trendy and like, believably what like a rich kid would wear yeah in new york i agree though i do i'm surprised that like the the good folks at constance billard would let julian show up to school in like an oversized dress shirt and like the shortest shorts possible like it looked yeah. she looked like like tom cruise and risky business <laughs> like that <laughs> that was not believable to me um but no, I, I'm really excited for where it goes from here. Like, I think this season's only six episodes. Really? I think so, which is not enough for my taste. Like, I I, I did not fact check that, so I'm, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. But, like, I think part of the reason OG Gossip Girl is so crazy is that they got full 20-episode seasons every year, and they were like, well, fuck, like, what stories are we going to tell? So they just, like bring in Georgina Sparks every year to like do something absolutely batshit. They bring in Hillary Duff for a threesome. Yes. <laughs> That's that crazy. Why she was on there? She was a, a romantic interest. Yeah. Of the, All right. Of the characters. Did she play Hillary Duff or did she play? She played like, a character. A yeah, it was a, it was a character, but okay. like they always brought in like people for, um, what I guess they call sweeps that feels like a really antiquated concept now and like the um 
in the streaming TV age, but like when like mid-season ratings were coming around, they'd do like something batshit to like get people, which is why like Grey's Anatomy, every half season, there's like an earthquake or a sharknado or like someone's like blown up the hospital. Like, mm-hmm. um, but you don't need to do that now because like everything's gonna, gonna be binge anyway though hbo max doesn't really do that as much which i kind of like that the trend is now going to releasing episodes on a weekly basis and i'm tuning in you know yeah i'm totally looking forward to this comes out on thursday nights i think right yeah um like i'm i'm looking forward to that and typically i would sit down for a binge but that's not happening anymore no like allowing it to happen weird this is also like not to I mean, we, I guess we will give a lot of shine to HBO Max, but this is not like an ad for HBO Max. Um, yeah, I'm also clear. <laughs> I work for Warner Media. There is a disclosure <laughs> here. Um, I've also been doing the White Lotus week to week too. Like, um, How are you liking that? I'm loving it so far. Um, I love Mike White in general. I think he's one of the, our best like social satires right now. The cast is phenomenal. Um, but that's also something that I think benefits really well from a week to week because it's, it's a lot more of like a mystery show almost than it appears going in. Like if I were binging the whole thing, I think I would be kind of overwhelmed by like the stuff I'm supposed to be thinking about on a week to week basis. And I don't, I feel like I lose detail, whereas Gossip Girl is not necessarily as like provocative a thought experiment let's say but like there is like an element of like soapy mystery to it that like is good for tuning in I feel like Gossip Girl would work just as fine as a binge too but like I don't know these are the first two shows though that I've watched week to week that wasn't like a reality tv show in years and years and years at this point yeah I will admit that I also watch High School Musical, the musical, the series week to week, which is also oh, yeah. very enjoyable. Well, Dis- I guess that's a Disney plus thing too. Like doesn't, yeah. um, aren't those, I have don't watch those Marvel shows, but like they're also week to week, right? Yeah, we don't watch them either. <laughs> no, yeah, we're like, cool. Good from what I hear. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard all of them are good. I just don't have Disney plus. Um, and I tapped out of the MCU like around Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's just been like, I mean, you miss like six movies a year <laughs> and then you don't know what's going on anymore. But. Yeah, l- luckily, I feel like if I make the decision to tune into something, I I mean, I know that I miss some details, but they do a decent job at at least wrapping it up as a good experience from start to finish. Yeah. You don't feel like you needed all that extra detail in the other 53 movies. A lot of it is a nod to the fans, right. not yeah. necessarily a plot device. It yeah, is nice true. to watch stuff like Gossip Girl and The White Lotus, though, that are built on... Well, Gossip Girl, I guess, is not necessarily original IP because those there are those, like, books and stuff. But, like, I was not familiar with the books at all going into the show. So it felt like a lot more of a, um, like, a self-contained mm-hmm. viewing experience. Mm-hmm. No shared universe. So I guess now there is a shared universe because of mm-hmm. the... Um, illustrious alumni of Constance Billard like Colson Whitehead and Nate Archibald which made me scream in my apartment when they said <laughs> when they said that joke um there could be assigned a book by Dan Humphrey do you think th- yeah 
for like the common read. Um, do you think there's anyone on this show that is going to get to like a Blake Lively level of fame? Oh gosh, I think any any one of them, um, other yeah. than the guy that we talked about who plays yeah. on key, unless he steps it up, could could rise to that. I think it just depends on how their character, how how the writers frame their character. Yeah. And almost like, I almost think it almost doesn't matter because like Blake, Blake Lively is I think a lot better on Gossip Girl than people give her credit for. Like Leighton Meester obviously should have been the breakout star, like the person who like we still talk about like 15 years later, but like Blake Lively is not as bad as people like always say she is. Um, But I, I don't know, I feel like the best actress or actor gender neutral actor on this is curtain bangs mm. emily allen lynn yes i think she's phenomenal oh, yeah. and not just because her hair is so good like i i'm interested where her storyline goes because that's season two or the episode two one with lord benanti i was like oh like there's range here yeah mm. yeah i i would be i'm interested to see is, is she in anything else coming up I don't know about movies, but she's from like a child actor family. She has two other siblings who are also in a bunch of stuff, but it's a lot of like um, lifetime-y, like it's like procedural show stuff like mm-hmm. yeah. that we've never, we probably have not seen. Um, but they've been working for like 10 years now though. Like it's just, this is the first, I mean, she's like 20, I think. So it's like the first like adult role. Um, Chris just pulled up a picture of of her and her siblings with three sisters together and they look identical yeah they all have the same it's like a very like prominent um no not prominent as in it like it sticks out you know I it's a very like distinct chin very heart-shaped face yeah um it's definitely like very like the original gospel girl did a really good job of casting like model pretty people and like this reboot definitely did like the same thing too um I don't know I'm excited I will be tuning in for the rest of the season though I think it's gonna be a lot of fun I'm probably gonna watch it I mean (laughs) we've got a convert over here yeah (laughs) you know I mean I I enjoyed the first episode I've seen Whitney Peak hasn't been in a lot of stuff I could see her breaking out pretty big to be honest yeah she seems to be like one of the fan favorite characters. Her and Monet, I think, are like the two like mm-hmm. big breakouts so far. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I it's I it's so early on too. Like, I guess it's hard to tell. And they did pick it up for season two immediately after episode one aired because I f- might be misquoting this. I believe I read something that said that this is the most watched premiere in hbo max history wow which i get like from how many years has hbo max been around though i mean only two yeah two (laughs) (laughs) um it's but like that's still they release so much content on a weekly basis like it i mean it is kind of impressive like I didn't, I mean, I knew there were a lot of fans of the show and because it's been on Netflix and other streaming services for so long that like it's built up a cult and like, I think the Tumblr era really like cemented it as like a foundational, like biblical text almost for people our age that like, um, 
I don't know. There's just like a built-in audience and like a huge nostalgia factor for it. Yeah, I um, think because they're so deliberate about the gaudiness of the outfits, the fashion, like the, yeah. the phones, that it just, mm -hmm. it's very fun to watch back multiple times. The other thing that really holds up that this new reboot's doing really well too, the soundtrack of the original, smash, 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 like unbelievable. Like it kicks off iconically with Young Folks by Peter, Bjorn, and John. Yeah. And it's truly like uphill from there. Like I was um I was at a party over the weekend and we were we just put on a Spotify playlist that was like OG Gossip Girl soundtrack and every song. Okay. It's such a time capsule of like both like mid to late 2000s club music but also like early like kind of like blog rock alt rock stuff like it's so it's so good and so like evocative of a very certain time and place Jacqueline, like like she said earlier showed me the top 10 moments and there's the moment when, when who, Blair who, and Chuck hook up for the first when they time. hook up for the first yeah. time and they're playing with me by some 41 and I was like oh my god is this like the real and she pulled up the actual clip and I was, it was real yep and, and there uh, were some crazy effects on that shot as well that were pretty, oh pretty common like dizzy yeah some they love like a montage on that show and like tricky camera work because like once again it is like CW low budget non-union filmmakers doing this like I, i'm sure cw uses unions do not come after me um <laughs> but like it like they do a lot of like swoopy tricks and like cuts to make it seem a lot more like yeah jazzy than it is though hbo does not have that problem but speaking of music i think it's time for our final segment all right all right we're gonna play tear the community apart so the rules are pretty simple. I've picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Okay. Easy. Do we have to agree or can we have to- You guys can have different answers for this. Um, tear the household apart. <laughs> tear the household. A, a household can be a community too. Um, so I have picked two songs from 2017 today from two of our most iconic singer songwriters currently working today they to me are the definitive songs from these two respective eras which song is better green light by lord or delicate by taylor swift i knew it was going to be taylor swift and someone else i thought you were going to pick adele but honestly lord it makes it easier for me to, to pick because to me I think it's Taylor Swift because Greenlight I think Greenlight is not Lord's best song I agree with that and I think Delicate is amazing personally yeah I, I think Greenlight wins here okay I, I'm a huge fan of that song it doesn't have to be her best song and I do love Taylor but uh I, I do I just, I think Greenlight's a better song. And it soundtracked more of my own personal moments. And so, you know. I know that, that, that all makes sense to me. I mean, I anticipated a split. <laughs> I don't know how I would answer that. Well, I, I think I do. I like Greenlight as a song, I think more than I like Delicate. Though I agree with you, Jacqueline, that is not Lord's best song. What would you say that is? Oh gosh. Ooh. 
because she is our rich catalog yeah solar power excluded maybe but we (laughs) i don't know we can get for another episode maybe i mean i always think of like tennis court yeah i mean i i was listening to swinging party when i was a a new senior in high school that was Mm -hmm. like it, it was so it was like narrating my life in some ways and like all, all the, because she, I mean, she's literally like three months younger than me. So every time she comes out with an album, it's like re- directly reflecting my own experiences to me. Yep. Um, and so it, that is such a hard question to pick, but it's gotta be something on it's, melodrama. It's not solar power. No, it's, it's not, not solar, solar power. power. And uh, I, I, my personal favorite, the one I, I think I probably have the most plays on is Bravado. Mm-hmm. I love That's that a classic. Album. A de- that's a deep cut classic like that pure heroin in general is it's so good melodrama is i think better and like deserves to be talked about the way it is talked about but like pure heroin is also so good and shouldn't be like overshadowed you know like i i embarrassingly at, well jacqueline really started playing more lord when we started dating and that's mm-hmm. when i kind of i kind of dove into her whole catalog like at the same time like right before um melodrama came out and so right. i kind of was kind of putting it all on shuffle at one point and so i i appreciate hearing jacqueline talk about how she made uh mixtapes of or you know mixed cds i guess i let him borrow <laughs> my original uh, uh mix of of lord's songs that include yeah. ep yeah so are you guys excited for her new single Stoned at the Nail Salon coming out on Wednesday when this episode drops? I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, I it sound I, I do like that title though. Yeah. It sounds very Lana Del Rey to me. It does. It is solar power also. I think maybe we can talk about like solar power also is like a little Lana to me too. Like it's like a little Lana meets Jack Johnson. Yeah, it's like. I feel like she, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 this might be a take that I took from someone on Twitter, but like she went in the opposite direction of what was expected of her, yeah. where she's such a dark songwriter or she's been such a dark songwriter that's just like with deep, deep emotions that to come out after a four year hiatus with a song mm-hmm. like Solar Power was just, it, it was very surprising. Yeah. It. I so we did I did an episode with um friend of the pod Nina Wilder a few weeks ago about this new era and how just nature is not necessarily the best theme for an album like it's just too like broad Mm -hmm. um and that this was sort of like a distressingly sunny thing not that like we need to like make our like female pop stars suffer for their art or whatever like we've seen how that turns out but like um another friend who had listened to the episode we were talking in real life about this like after the fact and he reminded me that lord's dog died in the middle of making this album and she like scrapped everything that she'd been working on Wow. And rewrote everything. So I was like, okay, like maybe this is like she wants to make something deliberately, consciously sunny to like, mm-hmm. you know, pivot away from like moodiness. Like maybe that just isn't something she wants to do right now. But at the same time, I'm like, this this isn't popping. 
Yeah. For me. Yeah. And she's worked with Jack Antonoff before. Like Greenlight is so good. And that's a Jack Antonoff joint. Yeah. But I feel like there's when you wait this long to release new music, there's always gonna be so much pressure on you to come out with something phenomenal yeah. as if time begets craft or something. Like yeah. I don't think that that's true. So I, I'm excited to listen to the album in full. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, the same with like Taylor Swift, like the singles aren't always the best songs. Yeah, Green what, Light to me the... wasn't the best song on melodrama. So yeah. I, I have high hopes for the rest of the yeah. album. The hit rate of first singles, I feel like is generally low. It's like- Yeah. From albums in general. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like Green Light is a phenomenal song, but I think like, I mean, out of the melodrama, out of that whole album, I think Perfect Places and Writer in the Dark are my two favorites. My answer to my favorite song on of Lord was pro- it's probably Hard Feelings. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just That's like an opus. Yeah. They're all, I, but I was all, like, even songs I don't think about of hers that often will sometimes come up on shuffle and I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. Like the Louvre came on shuffle the other day for me. And then yeah. Love Club. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, like those are two incredible songs too. And they never got any sort of like shine really. She's just, yeah. she puts a lot of craft for lack of a better word into everything she does. Yeah. That's so it's tailored though. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you a reputation head? I am not. Yeah. Reputation, I didn't get reputation until very recently actually um I was on the outs with Taylor during that period of time <laughs> I, I I think a lot of us were like that I mean that was her low point it was really bad for her that yeah um, reputation is still my least favorite album of hers but like that's there are a lot of songs on that delicate included that have really grown for me in estimation over time but there's also a lot of shit like the um big reputation big reputation <laughs> whatever that song is called end game end game is awful but like yeah. <laughs> and look what you made me do i think is ahead of its time but it's also like not a good song in a vacuum like it's just it is it's catchy like i heard it, they put it at a gay bar this weekend that i was at and i was like oh like this is like you know something for the fellas but like, <laughs> fellas with an x but it's not like um you know, not not one for better songwriting moments for sure. <laughs> but well, this is the first true tie we've had on. Oh yeah, on the, in this segment, yeah. This is a, there's a I think this is the 18th episode of the pod, and we're finally or 16th episode of the pod, and we're finally here. I think that's gorgeous. Wow, that's it. a Taylor Swift reference right there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I mean like you know that we the purpose of this game is to sow discord and fear but um I think we've seen today that actually like sometimes a split opinion can be something really beautiful you know I agree Um, I think we have to wrap up the podcast but um thank you guys so much for being here um Jacqueline where can people find you on social media if you would like to be found slash do you have anything to promote I am private on social media. My name is Jacqueline Onufre. So if you know me, you can find me there. Awesome. And Chris? Uh, yeah, you, you, you can follow me if you want. I don't post a lot of interesting stuff. I do tweet a lot about Russell Wilson, but my name is Chris White and you just look me up, type in Zris White 
It's just Chris White, but instead of a C, it's a Z. And similarly, I am also someone who replaces my social media um, S's and C's with Z's. I'm at, on Twitter at FKA Pigs with a Z and on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's. And you can subscribe to culturepig.substack.com every week for free um, cultural musings about whatever the fuck I feel like writing. I will, I will say this. I tried writing about Space Jam 2 for this most recent episode. I don't know if you guys have watched that yet, but I got 200 words in and got so depressed I had to scrap the whole thing. Like, <laughs> I've seen so many people say similar things about like trying to write about it. <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it, it is without hyperbole one of the five worst movies I've ever watched. And I... It just, it's not fun to like, I have a lot of fondness for the first one and Looney Tunes in general, like, um, and yeah, writing about how something fails in a way that feels personal is not fun to write about, shockingly enough. And I feel like a lot of people our age, like, had similar, um, similar issues with it like I think it's like you can tell when someone's just trying to get you to buy a ticket and then they're not putting much effort into actually making the movie entertaining for you yeah and like the big problem with this is that it is like sort of an ad for oh this is difficult territory it's sort of an an ad for Warner Media IP (laughs) Um, (laughs) as was this podcast episode go watch Gossip Girl on HBO Max um but no like it it was not I said this on Twitter but like it is not a joke that to say that Ingrid Bergman is in this movie more than Elmer Fudd is which is missing the point of what makes that original movie good and like what makes the looney tunes good i don't know cultural emergency for another time (laughs) yeah i I was like i walked out of the theater like banging on a bunch of like pots and pans in the street like trying to get (laughs) someone to help me um (laughs) gnashing my teeth like rending my garments but um not after this episode, though. This was a true delight. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, I'm so glad that we finally got in the same Zoom room together to talk shop. Absolutely. Yes, this was you. an honor. It was a lot of fun. Um, all right. Well, until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.